God bless you. I'm excited to get in God's word. So I want you to go ahead, if you can, and grab your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be reading in the book of John, uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 1 uh, through 13. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, and it's actually one of my favorite stories in the gospel. It is filled with the, with the opportunity for us to see God's heart towards feeding his people. I'm so thankful that God doesn't overlook people. And, and secondly, he doesn't overlook needs. But the avenue and the process and the way that God performed this miracle, I believe is something that all of us need to get a hold to. Family, we are in a day and time where many people are walking around with the question mark. But us as believers, we are live, living with an exclamation point. Yes, there may be uncertainty but we can be certain in the midst of uncertainty that God has everything under control. And I believe what the Lord is looking after and what he's looking for is some people to raise their hand and say, God, here I am, Lord, use me, send me. I believe what the Lord is looking for in this hour is for people to participate in what he is doing. Here's an incredible portion of scripture Incredible passage of scripture where we can see how God used it, used an individual to feed multitudes. And it's absolutely incredible. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read it and then we're going to go back and we're going to go verse from verse. And I think it's incredible. It says this, it says sometime after this, Jesus crossed uh, to the shore of the Sea of Galilee and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. When Jesus went up uh, on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, the Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, it would, pay, it would take more than a year's, than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy, small, uh, a boy, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, uh, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in place and they sat down. About 5,000 of them were there. When Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did, he did the same with the fish. When they, ha when they had all enough to eat, he, sat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that, were, that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over uh, by, those, uh, by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you give these opportunities and these stories and these testimonies, these examples in scriptures. God, not for us to just look at and says to say, oh, look what God used to do. But God, for us to look at and be inspired to know what you still will do. God, I'm thankful, Father God, that you are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. God, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, just as you use these, this, this example, oh God, to show, oh God, your compassion, oh God, show your power and your miraculous work. God, we choose to say thank you, oh God, and we say do it again. 
So God, I pray that this word will fall on fertile soil, God, and that we will be individuals that will no longer desire to sit in the sideline. God, we will not watch the game of life from a distance, but God, we're putting on our jersey and we're saying to you, God, put me in coach. God, I thank you, Father, God, it's time that we stand up, Father God, and we get involved in the work that you are doing. God, no longer will we press the snooze button, the snooze button of our purpose. No longer will we long to sit in apathy complacency a moment longer. But God, may we hear the alarm clock awakening, uh, awakening us to action, Father God. We choose, we refuse to sleep in laziness where you're calling us to action, God. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So God, give us the grace to participate in what you are doing in this hour. Give us the grace, oh God, to be the hands and the feet of Christ. Give us the grace to be the billboards, the advertisement, the representatives of Jesus in this day and this time. Father, we say thank you for your word. We say thank you, oh God, for this opportunity. So use this moment to shift us, oh God, into action. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Family, this passage of scripture I find absolutely incredible. And I find it incredible for multiple reasons. Number one, we see the compassion our Father has. All throughout Scripture, you see the Bible where the Bible says that Jesus was led by compassion. I'm so thankful that God doesn't overlook needs. I'm so thankful that God doesn't see a situation, deem it impossible, and say, hey, that's too much for me. I'm so thankful that God doesn't weigh the cost before he acts, but he acts because he knows the cost doesn't matter. I'm so thankful, family, that God saw me and you in the, in the, in the depths of our, of our mistakes. He rolled up his sleeve and he pulled us out the miry clay to give us a firm place to stand. I'm so thankful that when God saw you and he saw me in the midst of our tragedy, midst of our circumstance, he saw compassion upon us where other people may have walked away. Other people may say it's too hard. So maybe someone told you that you are too far gone, but God chased after you. I'm thankful, family, that our Heavenly Father never walks past a problem without desiring to get involved. But here we see an incredible example of God's compassion. That even when people thought it was impossible, even when Philip and Andrew, Andrew, Peter's brother, thought that, this, that the situation was dire, even when they thought it was impossibility, God saw an opportunity. And I want you to know, church, that God sees an opportunity in you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what problem you're going through right now, family. But our Jesus wants to get involved in your, in your life, in your situation. But in this passage of scripture, I want to, I want to break the story down in, 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 into four points. Break it down in one, two, three, four points. Yes, into, into four points because I believe if you can grab a hold of this, uh, I believe it's gonna bring up, it's gonna encourage your life. So here, this portion of scripture is important to know that this this miracle happened because of one young boy decided to give up his meal. This miracle happened because of a young boy decided to participate. I believe, family, there's miracles that, that, that needs to happen in your family. There's miracles that needs to happen in your, in your city. There's miracles that God wants to do through your church. There's miracles, family, that God wants to do in your home. There's miracles that God wants to do in your life and through your life. But the very first thing he requires is participation. Notice, family, that this, that this miracle started with an act of benevolence. It happened with an act of someone giving up something. 
Now, the Bible does not specify the depths of the conversation that happened in this particular moment. But we know, we're certain of one thing. This little boy gave up what he had. And, and this miracle, God used this miracle by someone releasing what's in their hands. This boy, so the Bible doesn't specify the details. The Bible doesn't specify the, uh, how the conversation happened, like I said. But, but, but I wonder if a couple of things could have happened. Did, did, did Philip say, hey, who has some food that we can feed? Or did the young boy hear, overhear the conversation and he offered, offered up what was his? Now, this is remarkable to me. Family, I've, I've chewed on this all day and, and I've thought about this all day. Because remember, this, there's a couple things that was happening. Number one, his mama maybe slaved over that stove and gave him a Lunchable, a piece of some fish, some fish and, some, and some bread and say, hey, this is your lunch for today. You better make sure you eat it. I didn't cook this for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Even the, even the young boy heard the, heard the call, heard the need rather and said, hey, I see what's going on. I hear what's going on and I want to get involved. Or Peter said, hey, who would like to get, I'm sorry, or Philip said, hey, who would like to get involved. But regardless of what the situation may have been, I think this act of benevolence is so incredible because the boy was giving up what he had to a need that seemed completely impossible. Family, if you get what I'm saying today, family, because if you can grab a hold of this, we can uproot ourselves from, from, from removing God out of situations. How many times has God called you to step into something, but you talked yourself out of that obedience because you looked at what you had, you looked at what you can do, and you disqualify what was in your hands. But family, do not forsake what God can do when we release what's in our hand. Don't forsake what God can do when we welcome God for, to the things that's in our hand. Don't don't overlook what God can do with a young, ruddy, red-haired boy named David with the sling. Don't forsake what God can do with the jawbone of a donkey in the hands of Saul. Don't forsake what God can do, family, when, when we put what's in our hands and we place it in his. This young boy gave up a meal, gave up, gave up what was in his hands, placed it in the hands of the father and said, do something with it. He said, do something with it. I, I only imagine there's things that you're holding on to. There's things that you're grabbing on to. There's things that you're keeping so much control. And God so desperately wants, wants to use you and wants to do something about it. But we're, but we're holding on to what God is trying to ask us to release. Now, this young boy, this miracle happened at a state of malevolence. This miracle happened because somebody chose to participate. And I believe, family, God is waiting to do something in your life. He's waiting to do something through you. He's waiting to break generational curses and bondages off your home. He's ready to do something absolutely incredible. But one thing he needs is participation. One thing he's looking for is an act of benevolence. One thing he's looking for is someone to say, God, I, here I am. I am yours. I'm yielding myself. I'm participating in what you're doing. So, God, everything I have, I place in your hands. Whether, whether, it's, whether it's your five loaves of bread and a two fish. Whether it's your time invested serving the church. Whether, whether it's, it's financial or whether it's your time. Whether, whether it's calling up that neighbor and say, hey, I know you can't go to the grocery store right now. Do the social distancing. But let me serve you. Let me give up something. Let me do what I can do to get involved in what God is doing. This story is incredible to me. Because, we, because a miracle happened. This, this miracle happened through an act of benevolence to one young boy who gave up his meal to a seemingly impossible situation. 
Like, man, because we'll talk, sometimes we'll talk ourselves out of getting involved as we undermine what we have. Oh, I only got this. I can only do this. What could God do? Oh, family, God can do a lot with what you think you only have. But when you place it in his hands, he does something incredible with it. But we can never lose, we can never step into that next place because miracle was four parts. First was benevolence. Then the next step, family, was blessing. The Bible says after he had the bread and the meat, the Bible says he took the bread and the meat and he blessed it. He, it, he blessed it, right? And we all want the blessing. We, want, we all want to be blessed, family. We want to be blessed. Thank God. Thank God for God's blessing, family. But I think sometimes we, we stop right there. We pray, God, give me a blessing. God bless me. God, I need this in my life. What, and give me a blessing. And God gives it. God provides it. Praise God. He's a gracious heavenly father. He wants to see, he wants to see his children blessed. The Bible says, I never wish you the righteous forsaken, nor the seed begging for bread. We are blessed people. But then the next step you see after this is the step that many of us are maybe hesitant to step into because the miracle did not happen at the blessing. The miracle of thousands did not happen at the blessing. The miracle happened at the next step at the brokenness. And so, and so sometimes we, 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 we ask God to bless us. God, give me a car. God, I need a car. I need a car. And we get the blessing and we stop driving the church. We're like, God, I, God, I, need, I, need, I need this. I need this. I need this. And we get God blesses us. This is dangerous, family, when we don't know how to, how, to, how to use our blessing. A great example of this is the story of the, of the Israelites after God delivered them out of the captivity of Pharaoh. The Bible says that after, after the 10th plague, right, and so they, they left Egypt and, and, the, and, the, and the Egyptians uh, gave, up their, gave up their plunder, gave up gold, right? And so when that story, when Moses was up in the mountain, Spending time with the father, getting the commandments. And they thought that God, Moses was gone too long. And so they called Aaron and, and Aaron got a big head and they melted down gold and created an idol and began to worship it. And then they began to, they began to worship their blessings. Mm, 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 mm. It's Make sure you're not worshiping your blessing. Make sure you're not worshiping the very thing that God provided for you. Make sure you're not worshiping your blessing. And so, in the very so again, how did they get that gold? Because of what God gave them and blessed them with as you delivered them out of, out of the captivity. It's dangerous, family. We don't know how to use our blessing. So the first step, family, was benevolence. The next step was blessing, but the miracle didn't happen again at the blessing. The miracle, I'm sorry, the miracle didn't happen at the benevolence. The miracle did not happen at the blessing. The miracle manifested at the place of brokenness. Oh, and this is the time, family, where, where, where there is a yielding of intentions. This is a timing where there's a, where there's a yielding of involvement. This is the moment where, 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 the, where God breaks us, family. And sometimes it's, it's, it's easy to yield and sometimes not comfortable at all. But I firmly believe, family, if we want the oil, we got to accept the crushing. If we want the oil, we got to accept the brokenness. We got to accept the moments and walk through the moments of life where God matures us, where God brings us through things, not not to, not, not to leave us in it, but to bring us through it to mature us. The Bible says in the book of James, it says, Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work 
so that you can mature and complete and not lacking anything. I believe, family, that God will bring us through all sorts of seasons in life to help mold and shape and break us to be an instrument that God can use. Family, but if you will, if you, I, I, family, if you will just make it through your season of brokenness, you'll be so much better on the other side. Literally lifting weights is brokenness. Those of you who are working out, those of you who ever go to the gym, those of you who understand resistance training, you're literally going into the gym for resistance training to pick up heavy weights, right? And it's that heavy weights that break that muscle down. And so as your body is healed, you're stronger than before. God uses resistance training. God uses the heavy weights of life. God uses the hardships of life. He's not the creator of the weights, but family, he's your coach. Encourage you to keep pushing. He's your coach saying one more rep. He's the one by your side saying you can do this, family. God uses brokenness. So this, this miracle happened in four steps. The first was benevolence. The second was blessing. The third was brokenness. Maybe people may look at your brokenness like, like you're crazy. Like, man, why are you doing these things you're doing? But your brokenness is important. Your brokenness is what moves the heart of the Father. A great example of this is found in the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. And I want to encourage you to turn there when you get, when you get a moment. Powerful portion of Scripture. It says, Jesus, while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with the alabaster jar with very expensive perfume, which he poured on, on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why the waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you, you will always have with you. But you will not always have me. Then, the, then, then she poured his perfume, poured this perfume on my, when she poured his perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This family is a couple of things this woman had to assess and to recognize in this act of worship. First family, this perfume was expensive. She knew the worth. She knew the value. And it's, it's so incredible about the alabaster jar is that was not just the contents that was worth valuable, but it's also the vessel in of itself. The alabaster jar was made of valuable was was made of valuable stones, needed to keep the oil from spoiling. There's an understanding with the alabaster jar; it was for one-time use. There wasn't a cork, it wasn't a lid, it wasn't a cap, it wasn't something that you use a little bit of it and you save the rest. It was you had to intentionally gauge the cost. Is it worth? The brokenness is the bro is, is 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 the brokenness worth it? And so this woman believed that the word that her that this act of brokenness was worth it. But notice what the disciples said in verse eight. The disciples saw this; they were indignant and said, "Why the waste?" The word, the definition of indignant family, I think, is absolutely absolutely crazy, incredible. Because definition of indignant uh, means a feeling of showing anger because of something unjust. And unworthy. They saw her act of worship breaking the alabaster jar as indignant, unjust, and unworthy. What does this have to do with us? Maybe there's people in your life that are wondering why you serve God the way you serve Him. They wonder why you shout the way you shout. 
They wonder why you chase after God the way you do. They wonder why you're trying your best to say no to sin and yes to godliness. They wonder why you why you why you're abandoned why you're so passionate about the things of God. Why they think they think your worship is indignant. They wonder why you give the way you give and serve the way you serve and preach the way you preach and shout the way you shout and 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 and, and participate in what God is doing the way you do because you understand that this act of worship, this act of sacrifice, this act of brokenness. It's not indignant. It's not unjust. It's not unworthy. It's worthy of it all. Family, I want to tell you this, family, that God sees your brokenness. He sees your sacrifice. Oh, I believe we can grab a hold of the simplicity of this poor pastor scripture in this hour, in this day. Family, I believe that, 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 the, that the world is waiting and ready for a body of believers to raise up their hand and to participate as God not only feeds the thousands, but he feeds the multitude. I believe that God wants to feed your city. I believe God wants to feed your state. I believe God wants to feed this nation. I believe God wants to feed this world. But he's going to use it through an individuals who stand up, raise up their hand in an act of benevolence, an act of surrender, say, God, use me. Recognizing that they're blessed. Recognizing that they're called. But they're willing to be yielded to the instruction of God to a state of brokenness. And, and through this, when we are broken, family, in the hands of God, we find ourselves at the next step, which is bounty. After the brokenness, after God broke the bread and passed it and people ate, there was a harvest left over. There was a bounty family. The Bible says a harvest plentiful and the laborers are few. And I believe, family, there's a bounty. There's a harvest that God is ready to reap. There's some people that God is ready to redeem family. But I believe what the Lord is waiting for is for participation. It's for people to say, God, I'm giving you What's in my hand? I'm giving you what's in my life. I'm giving you, Father, what I have. So this miracle that God fed the multitudes and this act of compassion started because one person chose to participate in what God is doing in that hour. Remember, it happened in a state of benevolence, then a place of blessing, then a state of brokenness. Then finally, there was bounty. There was harvest. There's souls being saved. And I believe I'm, I believe I'm talking to some people right now. And just like Isaiah chapter 6, I believe there's people here today where you're willing to say, God, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. It's vital. It's important that we participate in what God is doing. It's vital that we, that we become like Jesus and we, and we find a heart of compassion towards people in need. Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, his thought was not to send them away. His thought was to take care of their need. And family, I want to ask you to seek your heart. Seek, 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 search your heart, I'm sorry. And, and, and ask the Lord, God, show me, direct me. How can I get involved in what you are doing? Family, I'm not talking about money. Yes, God will lead you to give and sow and support, and that is great. But I'm talking about your time, your attention, your words, your investment. Your involvement. The Bible says the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me. He wakens my ear to listen as one being taught. And every single day, God is waking you up. And he's saying, hey, participate in what I am doing. Give me your ear and yield me your tongue because I have a word that is that will sustain someone hurting. Through you, as you are, will be a vessel and an instrument. I have a word I'm going to put inside of you that's going to help the one 
one struggling with suicide, that's going to root the one been bombarded with depression, that's going to wake the one that's suffering from anxiety. In you, that God is depositing a word that's going to shift people to a place of health. But what God is looking for is for people to participate in what he is doing. There's thousands, millions, and trillions of opportunities to get involved. So I double dog dare you, like Isaiah chapter 6, that you will hear God say, who shall I send? Who will go for me? And you will say, God, I'm participating. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Because it's time for us as the believers, as Christians, as the lighthouses, or us as believers to say, God, I'm not hiding behind the cross. I'm carrying it. I'm, I'm not going to be a defensive Christian, just pressing the panic button, waiting for you to come back. But God, I'm enlisting myself in this end time army, and I'm looking for opportunities to participate. I'm looking for opportunity to act in a place of benevolence, and because I know I am blessed. And, I, and as I am yielding to do things that I, sometimes you may feel like doing, and sometimes the sacrifice to be obedient through that place of brokenness, God is going to bring a bounty into your life and it is so incredible about God is that when you put your attention on the need of others God will continually put his attention on your needs family he sees what you're going through he knows your circumstance he knows your difficulty he knows what you're fighting for and what you're fighting against and family he sees you and he sees your victory so I double dog dare you to participate in what God is doing family because he's ready is the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. And maybe it's few because we're too busy eating our meals instead of trying to share it with the people around us. So I want to encourage you to evaluate your heart. Say, God, speak to me. Show me. God, how can I get involved in what you are doing? How can I how can I find creative opportunities to, to invest my life or my time or my finances or, or, or my skills or my cooking ability? How, how can I get involved? How can I serve? God, how can I have a compassionate heart to help those who are in need? Participate in what God is doing in this hour. So I'm telling you, family, the world is waiting for people to get involved. You know, the Bible says when God said, he said, let there be light. Jesus walked the world. And he said, I am the light of the world. But he looks at you and I, and he makes this statement. He says, let your light so shine among men that, I, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Your good deeds. Not just our prayer requests. Not just our assumptions. Not even our attentions. It's our actions that they will see and glorify our Father in heaven. So I want to encourage you to evaluate every excuse. I want to encourage you to confront every fear. And I want you to ask, say, God, show me. How can I participate in what you are doing in this hour? Again, maybe it's helping the elderly individual who's scared to step outside of their house when they desperately need to go grocery shopping. Maybe you can, maybe you can give them a phone call and say, hey, how can I serve you? What do you need? Maybe, maybe that grass was getting high, but through uh, your neighbors, maybe instead of wagging a finger, looking from the blinds, maybe they're, maybe they're ill. Maybe the lawnmower broke down. Maybe you can cut it for them. What would happen, family, if we will start being a body of people living through the lens of benevolence, walking with a heart of compassion? Because I believe when we put what's in our hands in his hands, he will multiply it. And at the end of it, there's always way more for us to eat 
and plenty for the others to eat around us. So I want to encourage you, family, to participate in what God is doing because people are hungry and you, family, are the chefs. So put your apron on, ring that dinner bell, and let's find ways to feed the multitudes who are starving through, through, through starving with regret, starving with sin. Let's, feel, let's feed, fill their bellies with hope that is found in Jesus. But maybe before, before we pray, I want to ask you this question. Are you living for Jesus? We talked about the Lord who, who, who could do things with a touch. But have you experienced that touch? Are you living for him? So I'm going to ask you two questions. And I, I've, I've been asking these two questions wherever where I go as I travel as an evangelist. Because it, it, I know it helps me to bring this truth to the reality. So I want to present it to you today. Two questions. First question I want to ask. I want to ask you don't be so quick to answer. First question is this. Are you a Christian? Second question. Can other people tell? Notice, when I ask, are you a Christian, if you started listening about all the things you did for God, well, I've been in church for 30 years. I, I give all this money to speed the light. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm part of the worship team. My granddaddy's a pastor. If those were your list to solidify or bring, I'm sorry, to bring validity to your, to your, to your uh, relation with Jesus, then I want to really evaluate, re I really want you to, uh, to question and evaluate your walk with God. I'm not saying, what do you do for God? I'm saying, are you living for him? Because it's very easy to give God our hands and never give him a heart. It's very easy to do things for God, but never, but don't live for God. That's a danger of religion. That's a danger of, 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 of religious mindset that, that waters down or, uh, the, the sacrifice of the cross of Calvary through, through a checklist instead of to a to-do list instead of to want list. Family, are you living for him? So, so to bring validity and to bring greater clarification to that question, the first question is the second one. Can other people tell? The Bible says we'll know them by their fruit. So can your Facebook tell? Can your statuses tell? Can your Instagram tell? Your Snapchat tell? Can your Netflix history tell? Can your, can your bank account tell? Can your children tell? Can your parents tell? Can your coworkers tell? Are the fruits of this confession of your faith, or are you making an assumption? Why is this so important? Because the Bible says, the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear. I'm going to give you another example. I love basketball. One of my favorite players is LeBron James. He don't know me from the man on the moon. And one day I'm going to meet him. But one day, but, but, but until then, let's say I go to his house uninvited. And I'm sitting, at, I'm sitting at his dinner table waiting for him to come in and eat some tacos on Taco Tuesday. And he sees me, don't know who I am, he's going to call the police, police. And while I'm being carried off by the police, I'm going to say, no, LeBron, but I know you. I know you're a basketball player. I know you played for, you play for the Lakers. I know you played for the Heat. I know you played for the Cavs. I know you're a hooper. But I, but, but I know you like, man, you may know facts about me, he'll say. You may know who I am. You may know my y'all had children. You may know what what my number is on my jersey. You may know facts about me, but I don't know you. It's the same thing in our walk with God. This is a scripture that said, did not prophesy in your name. Did not cast out demons in your name. And Jesus would say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Just knowing facts about God and information about God is not the same as knowing him. Do you know him? Are you living for him? 
Are you serving him? Maybe you're right now. You can say, man, that's, I'm not. I haven't been. I, have, I, I haven't been walking out my walk with God. And I need, I need to make things right. But family, you got, got great news for you. You can make a commitment right now. The Bible says, if I confess my lips and believe my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then I will be saved. And, and so family, I want to encourage you to pray with me. I'm simply going to help you putting words going, putting the words going on inside of your heart. It's time to make things new. And when you invite Jesus to your life, family, family, he's going to change you. If you let him, he's not intimidated by the mess. He's, he's not waiting for you to clean your house up before you let company comes in. No, he wants your mess. He wants your mistake. He wants your regrets. He wants it all family. He wants you just the way you are, but loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So I double dog dare you to evaluate your heart and let Jesus in. So if that is you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to be the Christian I'm called to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, family. The Bible talks about how all of heaven rejoices in the decision uh, that you just made. And I rejoice with you, family. Congratulations. I want you to let I want you to let your pastors know. I want you to, I want you to, to comment and, and get involved and get invested. I know that right now in this particular time, we're doing social dis social distancing, but through the best of your ability, let's create communication. Let's create community, family, because you're not alone. So family, in this word we just preached, we just shared today. It's vital you participate in what God is doing. Because the Lord is waiting for people to raise up their hand. He's waiting for people to stop pressing the snooze button of their purpose. But say, God, here I'm my Lord, use me, send me. But God, how did God feed the thousands with five loaves of bread and two fish? He feeded it with, he fed, he feed it. He fed everybody with one step, an act of benevolence, an act of sacrifice, an act of participation. So I challenge you to participate in what God is doing in this hour. And he will bless you. Press down, shaken together and running over. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for every single person, God, gathered together around this computer screen. God, I don't know what their needs may be, God, but I know you are the solution. So, God, I pray that you step in right now in their life. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to them in such a supernatural way. May their net be a question mark, but an exclamation point that you are present, oh God, in their situation. So, God, I thank you, God. May they look and seize opportunities where they can participate. May they look for opportunities where they can raise their hand and say, God, use me, send me, I'm going to go. God, I thank you, Father God for an anointing, oh God, upon their life. God, I thank you that it will be people led by compassion and led by you in Jesus' name. God, I pray for an anointing upon them they've never known before. So God, use them, oh God, as they step into the place of benevolence. God, as they know that they are blessed, as they walk through the season of brokenness and they experience the harvest of bounty. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Family, it's been a great opportunity to share God's word with you. And I want to encourage you, family, to seize these moments. Seize these moments. Well, God bless you. And you walk in your purpose. May we may you walk in your purpose. Huh? In Jesus' name.